This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 66 of the DTV Digest. I'm your host Mike Parkin and joining me as usual from the schlock pit, it's Dave Wayne. Hello. Now Dave, you're from up north, you haven't been um, swamped in this uh, fire that's going on. Is that a bit further north? Uh, no, that, 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 that's only a mere 90 miles away. It's just, oh, good grief. just down the road. No, 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 far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, just the, the flames of my imagination, sadly. Uh-huh. How have you been? Have you enjoyed the football? Uh, but yeah, I've been enjoying the football. I had a weird week. I, I got one of these. Um, I got a message on um, Facebook on, on Monday yeah. uh, from one of my friends uh, across the water in Liverpool, and he said, um, "He said there's a guy opening a video shop in Liverpool, and he, he sent me a link um, to Liverpool Echo. Um, so I follow the link, and there's this great big piece there about this." This guy has opened a, a video shop in in Liverpool, um, and it's just crazy. And it's been just really, and I've just been obsessing about it all week. It, it's like when I say it's a video shop, it is a video shop. Cool. Well, you mean um, like VHS types and things. VHS only. Um, yeah, but I don't get it. You see, because like I'm not exaggerating. This guy has been in the Liverpool Echo. He's been on Radio Merseyside. He's been on Radio Five Live. He's been on BBC fucking Breakfast. You know, he's been prime time BBC. And I'm like, geez, what, what what's going on? So you know, you start digging and that kind of thing. And yeah. it's just this weird setup in this community centre where this guy has brought in his personal collection, and it is is sort of um, I don't know, just, just Kind of pretending to be the, the great white savior of of uh, video stores. And I don't know. It sounds like sour grapes, uh, and it probably is. It probably is. <laughs> but it's just I don't I don't get this. I mean, the guy sort of professes to to want to bring you know a love for film to to uh, the community. But I'm thinking, well, if you really care about film, you wouldn't be pushing a format that's been dead for 15 years. Exactly. Uh, when did the, the last VHS tape go out of, out of production? Last, it was about 20 the, years ago, wasn't it? The last VHS tape was A History of Violence, the David Cronenberg film, which mm. was, what was that, 2002 or something? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, 15 years ago. But, yeah, so just the, this guy has been on a massive publicity band. And it sort of, it just sort of rankles with you when you've been doing this as a as a living. I mean, this guy's yeah. only open 10 hours a week. It's obviously Flash like a, in the pan. It's obviously like a, a weird gimmick or a weird sort yeah. of uh, side project. And, you know, when you, you've been doing this for 20 years and you, it gets your living, you know, you depend on this to survive. It just, mm. it rankles a little bit when some pretender comes to the for, uh, for and sort of says, well, hey, look at me. I've got my VHS. It does so, sound yeah, very the, hipsterish to me. It's very hipster. Oh, geez, it's the definition of hipster. So yeah, so so while while I you know I I'm not a, a complete tosser. I did send this guy a, a nice little message to say good luck. I hope everything goes well, hmm. which he didn't reply to. But you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bigger man than that. Um, so I'm sorry. I, I know this sounds like just a complete beef thing. Nobody really cares about. It. I'm just getting this off my chest, and I'll feel better. You see, this is just exercising my demons. It's giving me the ability to do this show with a clear head, and it's out. I'm fine now. I'm completely calm. It's all good. But you know, it, it just 
Um, no, I, I agree with him. I mean, who, who the hell still has videotape recorders? You know, who's got who still has a VHS player knocking around? I mean, they must be like um, gold dust these days. I mean, I, I, I do have a pang of regret about um, the whole uh, VHS thing because I had loads of films on there which I've never been able to replace. Yeah, yeah. You know, to me, Hong Kong stuff from that. To me, Hong Kong stuff and um, Asian Asian stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I got loads of had had loads of Asian films. A lot of stuff I bought yeah. from Ricky Baker down in the Eastern Heroes when he had his shop in Camden. You know, stuff like that, which <laughs> was the only way to get hold of them at the time, and still yeah. is to a certain degree, or would have been. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a pang of regret there that I I got rid of all my VHS, thinking, yeah, I'm going to replace them all on DVD, and of course they never mm. ever showed up. Yeah, <laughs> which is very yeah. annoying. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. Enough of the past, Dave. Enough of the past, because exactly. looking ahead today, we have got a humdinger of a show. As usual, we bring you news and reviews of the films which didn't get to the cinema and went straight to DVD, Blu-ray, or even streaming media, as is the case tonight. Now, tonight, we're actually doing a first for this show. We're actually looking at a re-release, believe it or not, um, because I think both... Uh, I'm pretty sure you agree with me, Dave, that this particular film... Um, warrants some attention, especially it in does. the edition it's, it's been presented in. So today yeah. um, we will have the usual washing up. We've got the coming soon section. We've got four main reviews for you. We have Pool Party Massacre. We have the uh, re-release of Extro. We go to um, China for the uh, flight from hell. And we're going to end up with Ted Jeffagan's Mohawk. Uh, but first, before we get into all that, let's take a look at the DTV charts. Okay, it's time for the UK DTV chart. Thanks to Rich Halls for putting this together. As usual, he's taken the top five films that uh, went straight to DTV out of the top 100 DVD releases uh, for this week. And at number five, we have Redemption, The Last Outlaw, starring uh, Tom Berenger and Lance Henriksen. This um, was originally titled Gone Are the Days, and it had a much better cover in the US. As usual, they've gone for this sort of grimy, sort of washed-out look for the UK cover. I guess that sort of thing sells over here, but, you know. Um, the film itself looks pretty good. I wouldn't mind catching it at some point. Uh, have you got this in for your shop, Dave? Uh, yeah, I've got it in. Uh, I mean, Westerns are already back in vogue, aren't they? Everyone loves a good Western yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Um, mm. It's one of the things, actually, that I was reading um, an interview with Ted Gagan, which apparently is a pronunciation. I've got a... Um, I'm going to digress already, and we've been going three minutes. Um, I've got a relation. I've got one of my cousins married a guy called Gagan. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, and he has to pronounce, say exactly the same spelling as, as Ted Gagan, and apparently it is pronounced Gagan. Gagan. So See, I that interviewed is... the guy. I never asked him what his name was and how to pronounce his name. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, Ted Gagan was saying about in the creation of Mohawk, which we'll get to a lot later, mm. uh, about how Westerns are making a comeback. And it is. It's like every week mm. this, this this year we, we've had some kind of, well, mainly really crappy DTV Westerns, but they're still, um, you know, they're still you know, mm. pretty prolific right now. There's one coming out uh, with, um, oh, I forgot the name of the actor now, but it's called The Sisters Brothers. Have you heard of that one? No, I haven't. No. Oh yeah, it looks quite good. And I think, and I think that's going to like this, like get a cinema release in the states. Actually, um, who's the guy in it? Um, it's one of those ugly actors. Does a lot of comedy. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, never mind. <laughs> It'll come to me later on, I'm sure. I'll, you'll hear me yell out a name for some reason. Anyway, uh, Redemption the Last Outlaw. Uh, looks really good from the trailer, I must admit. Um, Lance Henriksen playing a sort of aging gunslinger outlaw kind of guy who ends up in this town for, you know, looking to die with his boots on kind of thing. Mm. Number four is Flight from Hell. We can't talk about this right now because we're talking about it later on in our main reviews. So on to number three. And that is Jurassic Predator, uh, the latest film from Andrew Jones, I believe, Dave. It is. It's still there as well, which is just crazy. I mean, the number of it's copies. It's got a dinosaur on the cover. Of course, it's it going to up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but this must be. I mean, most Jones films that we've covered, uh, certainly mm. since I've been participating, they, 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 they're in one week, they're out the next. But they're still mm. selling a good, you know, couple of thousand. But this must be really uh, doing some good business. Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, number two, and we really have talked about this one to death, it's Rex. Um, so enough said. It's doing really well. Good on it. But, you know, we've, we're bored. Uh, but number one is Escape from so- Sobibor. I thought it was Sobibor, but anyway, Sobibor. Um, based on a real incident and now starring Christopher Lambert as the commandant. Um, I believe the original version had Rutger Hauer. But I'm, not sure, I'm not sure if he was at the commandant or if he was one of the um, the escapees. But um, again, we covered the trailer a few months ago now, I think, and it looks pretty exploitative, to be quite honest. But probably worth checking out. Yeah, it's it, it, um, from a director. What was his name? Constantin mm. Constantin Kabinsky. Um, who's mainly known for his acting. He's been in films like Wanted and Nightwatch and Daywatch and, oh, yeah. and all this kind of thing. And Spacewalk he was in as well. Um, so uh, his directorial career really did begin here. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this. Like I say, um, anything regarding war tends to... It does. Yeah. Out. And, and uh, we're going and to talk it, about this again in, in The Washing Up. Um, and, and and to a certain degree, how, how these films are being marketed in the UK. Even, but, um, even foreign language films, though, and you've got to wonder. I mean, you know, I babysit people in my store. You know, I put a big <laughs> circular blue subtitle sticker on each box for them to, you know, Just to know uh, that it's an... Well, yeah, because I, I don't want them coming back the next day saying, you know, I had to read this yeah. film, you know, what's going on? Um, so I just wonder how many people who are buying this, because, well, week one sales, what have we got? What position is it in the main chart? 29. Mm. I mean, you're talking four-figure sales here. So how many of that four-figure group of people knew it was a, a Russian-language film? I reckon I reckon a few of these. It'd be great to see if we got, like, July the 8th DTV chart, how many of those thousand copies were returned. Mm. Well, <laughs> Maybe <exactly>. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I mean, I've only seen the trailer for this, and you know, Christopher Lambert is um, having a, a whale of a time as a cackling sort of bad guy, you know, as the commandant. But um, yeah, so I don't know. As you, as you say, it's, it's, a, it's a Russian language film um, with English subs. It would be interesting to see if, where it turns up next week or the week after. And that is the rundown of this week. It's the coming soon section, and we've got eight trailers to look at. One of them is really, really quick. Um, but we're going to start off with Mumbai Siege, Four Days of Terror. Now, this is originally called One Less God. Um, this is about the siege of a sort of rather large, sprawling motel, 
hotel even, not motel, in, in Mumbai um, by, I think it was ISIS terrorists. It was pretty horrific. Um, and I think, this is this an Australian film? I, I, I get the sort of vibe that this is um, coming from Australia. I don't know that for sure. But it yeah, looks pretty decent, I must admit. Yeah, you're completely right. It's an Australian uh, shot film, Australian director. Um, mm. It's been put out by four digital media who aren't renowned for their acquisition of classic films. So, you know, my um, my enthusiasm is tempered somewhat. Um, I know the Aussie publication Film Pulse said mm. that it really does have a made-for-TV vibe. So it looks a bit like a kind of two-hour TV movie with mm. a bit of uh, soapy, soapy melodrama involved. So yeah, there, is, um, there is a bit yeah. of that in there, yeah. But um, it reminds, I mean, you know, watching the, the, this actually reminded me of two things. One was a book by Simon Koenig called The Siege. Mm. It was set, set in a hotel in London. And the other was um, the beginning of Strike Back Season 2 because that was set in a sort of New Delhi hotel in a sort of similar sort of scenario, but obviously a bit more gung-ho. Um, mm. But you know, I, I, the production values and things look pretty decent for this. Um, yeah, yeah. It could it could be a bit of a misery fest. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Anyway. Okay, moving on. Anyway, um, the latest Russian blockbuster, The Last Warrior. Um, have, have you had a chance to take a look at the the poster? Well, you know, the, this the cover art for this. It took me a bit, bit long to uh, actually look at the alternative titles, which are the last hero. And the last night, so mm. they settled on the last warrior, did they? No, I haven't. Why? What? Right. What? What's, what's well, the beef? There's nothing. I've got no real beef with the cover, but it's pushing it for uh, any any of the sort of Viking era, Game of Thronesy kind of you know wannabe films that are coming out. Mm. It's pushing that. This is produced by Disney. Yeah, yeah. This this is, this is a a family-friendly fantasy movie about a kid being transported back to some mm. mystical age or something. And, you know, it's got a decent effects budget by the looks of it, you know. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's got it's got comedy in it, you know. It, it's It's got a lot going for it. And yet, they're pushing it as if it's some sort of Conan the Barbarian slash mm. You know, Last Viking. I mean, you know, there's a film coming out called The Last Viking, isn't there as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it or you know, it's it's been pushed in that sort of direction, and they're forgetting the fact that it's Disney for fuck's sake. You know, that should be first <laughs> and foremost on the cover or yeah. something. You know, yeah. But maybe they don't have the rights to that because it's Disney Russia or something. You know, the, maybe. Anyway. But, the, but there's a title card there before the trailer that really lingers on Disney. It must be well, three or four but, seconds. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, yeah, from my own perspective, it, it's not for me. It's not my kind of film. I really, these types of films just don't turn me on at all. Yeah. But I must admit, looking at the reviews of the people that have seen it, it's been really, really well received as a great family film. So um, yeah. if they market it, yeah. if they market it right, which it looks like they're not doing, then, then, then exactly, you know, yeah. there should be an audience somewhere. Yeah. I, I know Richard will want to cover this, that's for sure. So, you know, they might, maybe, maybe me and Richard will cover this on a Saturday morning or something and edit it into the show. Mm. Uh, okay, next on our list is Buy Bust. Now, we covered an early trailer for this um, a while back. It was actually a sort of behind-the-scenes making of. Mm. You know, they, they used that sort of footage to sort of, you know, promote the film. And it was a really good way of doing it. Uh, now we've got an actual trailer. Uh, and, and this kind of comes across like a Philippine 
non-martial arts version of the raid where a sort of team of sort of DEA agents go into a very rough looking part of Manila um, to do a buy bust and get betrayed in the middle of it and sort of surrounded in these sort of shanty town sort of area. Um, I, I really like the look of this. I, I like the sort of the premise. I, I, I like the sort of the, the character drama that comes out of it. You know, there's, there's this sort of female agent that people are sort of unsure of because she's got some sort of dark past. Um, I, I think this could be really interesting. I know my wife's going to be really interested because she's Filipino as well. So, you know, it's a great excuse for me to sit down and watch an action film with her. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, Manila is just that kind of city that, that's just bustling at the brim with people. And mm. I love films with, with, with that kind of vibe. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I loved, um, you know, the Ethan Hawke film we reviewed a couple of weeks back. Um, oh, 24 Hours to Live. Yeah, we had that great sequence where, where it was right through. Oh, the so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Shanty Chan. And um, that, that has the same kind of thing, just that intensity of mm. that bustling bustling thing within, you know, in, in sort of deepest Manila. So, it, it, I mean, the trailer really sells it, to be honest. So mm. this is uh, definitely one to keep an eye out for. Absolutely. Okay, uh, th this next one is really, really quick. Um, the trailer itself lasts something like 20 seconds. Um, but the, the name of the director is enough to get you and me excited, I believe, Dave, uh, and that's Stephen S. Miller. Mm. Um, and this is Dave Batista. At an Arsenal football match, which gets surrounded by terrorists, <laughs> which is this is a brilliant premise. Why not? Why the fuck not? There must be shit tons of money going through that place. So why why not? Um, and this is a film that's been picked up by Sky Cinema. Now, we, uh, on the other show, we reviewed another one of the Sky Cinema's uh, purchases, and that was Hurricane Heist. We didn't mm. like that very much at all. No. Um, but you know the name of you know Stephen S. Miller. Batista, Arsenal Football Ground. I think it could be interesting, and you know, there's some good stunt work in the trailer. Brief that it is, uh, it's definitely one to dip into Sky Cinema for. I think, um, yeah. So I think again, there'll be one to sort of look out for. Yeah, I mean, it's meant to be Arsenal, isn't it? But I think it was shot at Upton Park, uh, mm. West Ham's old ground, which got knocked down a couple of years back. So. That's right, yeah. You wonder how long this has been sitting on the shelf for, you know? Well, that's a funny thing because you know I remember it was about probably was two years ago that on Facebook mm. you know, there was a picture of Dave Batista at um, ah, yeah, yeah. football ground. I'm thinking, oh great, okay, you know, and it's just taking a while to get finished and all the rest of it, I guess. I don't, I don't know because you look at this guy's cinema um, thing with it. I mean, I remember them. Mm. When was it back in about '99 or 2000? They started mm. to try and pick up films for exclusive uh, kind of deal yeah. and they're all really shocking films apart from apart from the film steel with Stephen Dorff which is still mm. absolutely fantastic um and so with your review of hurricane heist there it doesn't give me much confidence really but but, but you know open mind it does have the right people attached mm. but there's just a nagging thing about the whole concept that makes well, me thing, makes me yeah it's the same yeah. thing with, um, with Netflix, you know. I mean, yeah, absolutely right. Sort of acquisitions absolutely have, been, right. have been pretty hit and miss. You know, there's some Very have been liked, some have been pretty abysmal. Yeah. But, uh, we shall see. But, you know, it, the names attached to it have got me interested anyway. Exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, Reprisal is our next one. Um, now, apart from Death Wish, for the past, I don't know, six films, it's like... Bruce Willis has been playing the same character in every film. He's you've always, seen these films? 
Yeah, most of them. For example, you know, um, also acts of violence. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's the other one? Um, there's the other Stephen Stephen S. Miller film. Um, I forgot what it's called now. Yeah, was it The Prince or Vice or? No, that that was that. Those are directed by this guy, isn't it? Uh, same yeah. guy who does Reprisal. Um, no, there was another one. Oh, where... Wasn't LA, LA, anyway, LA Vengeance? Was it? No, not that one. No, that, that's 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 the outlier. <laughs> that is. Um, but every time he plays a cop, he plays this sort of benign sort of cop who ends up supporting the main cast. Mm-hmm. He's just sort of sitting in the background and sort of gave. He basically sort of says, "Well, there's nothing I can do. The law says blah blah blah," and then he goes off and does something stupid and helps them anyway, you know. But he's the one sort of basically pointing out that what they're doing is illegal and they're going to get arrested if they do it. It's it's that sort of crap, and he does it mm-hmm. in acts of violence. He does it in the other one. He did it in um, <coughs> that one with Josh Duhamel, um, yeah. where he's a where he's a fireman. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it keeps turning up in the same basic role, you know, apart from Death Wish, and I guess that two-second cameo at the end of bloody whatever that film was, and I've forgotten the name of already, you mm. know, the M. Night Shyamalan one. Anyway, um, so Reprisal is about a guy who uh, witnesses a bank robbery, uh, decides to tell the cops, and then sort of the bank robbers come after him. And so Bruce Willis, as I said, is a detective, sort of going, well, you know, if you help us, you know, our hands are tied, blah, blah, blah. Um, Action-wise, it doesn't look too bad, I must admit. But I've seen too many of these. Yeah, Yeah. I'm just, you know, Brian A. Miller is just a master of the uninspiring Bruce Willis. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned The Prince and Vice. I mean, they were pretty horrible films. They were. They really were. And you've got to wonder why Bruce keeps working with this guy. Mm. Is is he contractually obliged to? Is it just a quick paycheck? Oh, what well, you know, it's mm. two days filming and then I'm out of there. You know, God knows. Yeah. Um, but it's it's yeah. I, I'm I I cannot get any excitement for this. I don't know. It, you know, if yeah. it turns up, I, I'm I may watch it. I mean, we we, uh, we do have Frank Grillo in there and and Jonathan Skage as well. True. So yeah, there is true. some some slight yeah. you know uh, reason for. Encouragement, but yeah, I agree with you. Tell. Anyway, uh, moving on, I'm going to go about face now. Um, we've got a trailer for this film called Silencer, um, which is about an ex-assassin who gets pulled back into the life by Danny Trejo, who's threatening his family. Uh, so he does an about turn and sort of comes after the bad guys. Um, the trailer itself is way too long. It's like two and a half minutes. Uh, I ended up switching it off about at the two minute mark because I'm thinking, well, I don't really need to say it, see any more of this. Mm. Um, but it is very competently done. I, I like the action in this even more so than I saw in that reprisal one. Um, I, th- I think sort of the use of sort of space in the in in the sort of the, sh- the shootouts and things actually looks quite good. The way people move, it's got an authenticity to it. Um, you know, there's this sort of buddy situation going on. I'm more interested in this than I am in reprisal, even though, again, it's it's nothing new. You know, this but but this this would be much more palatable for me anyway. No, no, I'm I'm the opposite, Mike. I'm afraid this is <laughs> far less appealing than than even reprisal. Mainly because, well, obviously, the trailer as you say was three minutes, and I lasted mm. half of that. You know, even less than you. 
and, and just simply because it's got the ubiquitous uh, Timothy Woodward Jr. at the helm of the film. Mm -hmm. It was just that guy that's made, well, 15 films in four years, American Violence. Oh, crap, yeah, uh, that's right. Hickok, do that. uh, Hickok, you know, things like that. And yeah. yeah, just, I don't his, know. His, tra his, track, his track record isn't good. But I, no, I, I give you that. Um, you're right with the trailer. The trailer's fine, but mm. I, I know that every, you know, every half decent bit in the entire film will be in this He's trailer. In that trailer, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Moving on to Aura, A U R A. Uh, this is the latest film from Steve Lawson. Um, it's the only horror. Well, no, a second only horror one on this list. Um, I I really like the look of this. Actually, I must admit. Uh, it's about a couple who move into this new house and find, or new house, old house, and find some old sort of um, technical photography stuff where you can photograph people's auras and they sort of play about with it and um, discover things they probably shouldn't have. Um, but I, I think this is a British one. Is that right, Dave? It is, yeah. Steve, Steve Lawson did it. Um, yeah. Who uh, I spoke to in the past. Um, he's he's okay kind of guy he he did say one thing that really pissed me off on facebook this week um mm. I, I don't know what it is about people but there there's a group there's a, there is a there is a um a cult of people mm. of a certain demographic who make this horrific statements uh at will and it just it's one of these things that, that winds me up he said he was chatting to someone on facebook in some um in some group uh, and I think he, he watched a film, I forget what film it was, but uh, he quite liked it anyway. He, he, in summation of this um, of this film, he said, yeah, I didn't expect to like it, but then again, I don't expect to make, uh, I don't expect to like anything made after 1995. Oh, I don't know what it is, yeah. but there is, there is a group of people, mainly... Yeah, I mentioned this last week, yeah. Mainly, you know, no offence, mainly in their 40s. Who, who just seem to have these rose tinted glasses that everything great has been done. There's nothing in the last 20 years worth its salt and that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, ah, oh, that's, that's so, so wrong. There's mm. so many good films out every single year. Just think of what you're missing out. But anyway, I digress. Mm. Yeah, he made, um, he made Killosaurus for 88 films. Well, he's been in partnership with 18 films for his last four movies yeah. and they've all been pretty good. The last film we covered of his was, of course, Hellraiser. Yeah. Uh, which is all right. Mm. This looks decent. He's, he's formed a new partnership with a guy I, I don't like. Uh, his name is Jonathan Southcott, who um, runs Hereford Films. He made all the um, the gangster movies, you know, we'll kill the old way. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? So that's the only downside to this. Mm. But from the trailer, it looks really, really cool. So I'm quite excited. It does, about. actually. It looks like, you know, the production values are pretty decent for this. Um, so, you know, if, if anything's come out, coming out of that partnership, um, ho hopefully that's what's coming out of it, you know, so a bit more, bit more cash in, uh, behind the camera. Um, but yeah, this actually looks pretty decent. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't believe watching the trailer. This is the same guy who did Essex Heist. You know? <laughs> um, but there you go. So I'll be really interested to see how this turns out. Okay, we've saved the best till last. Um, our last and final film this week in the coming soon section is, of course, Mandy. Now, this has been whispered about for a long time, this film. Um, people saw it at Cannes or somewhere last year. And, you know, I've, I've heard the name sort of being knocked around a lot. Uh, you know, sort of influences of Evil Dead have been mentioned and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, sure. And here comes the trailer. And 
wow, I think. Um it's been it's it's been a serious geekgasm across the whole um sort of whole horror fan base, I believe. It just looks pretty damn amazing. And it's no surprise it's from the director of um Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh George is it George Cosmatos, I believe. Mm. Um Nicolas Cage stars as a guy whose daughter is kidnapped by Fuck knows, um, you know, demonic hell's angels or something. I have no fucking clue, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I want to find out. Basically, the the uh, the whole the whole art scheme for this trailer is just fucking amazing. Didn't watch it. I don't blame you, Dave. I don't blame you. Don't watch didn't any watch trailers. It. Don't watch any I did, I did. trailers. I didn't watch it for the film. I'm too excited about the film to watch the trailer. You know, I saw it on the list and I thought, nah, it's, it's, it's the only trailer so far of the DTV digest that I'm going to pass on, simply because I, I know it's going to be a brilliant film. Yeah. I don't need convincing. I don't need spoiling. So mm-hmm. the, fact, the fact that it provoked the reaction it did from a multitude of people who I respect, then, then that is enough for me. So mm-hmm. bring it on. Bring it on. I'll, I'll be first in, in, in line. Well, I was I I was going to avoid the trailer, but then um, our friend Tom Jolliffe poses something like, oh, can, yeah. we, "Can we can we agree that this is the best <laughs> your best film ever?" And I was like, "Okay, yeah. fine, let's check out the trailer." And then I I, I send it to uh, my friend Josh, who does the Spoken Land podcast with me, and he'd never heard of it. <laughs> he'd never heard of it. Um, you know, okay, he'd been in um, Asia for the last sort of two months or something. Yeah. But um, he said, what's it about? I said, just watch the trailer. And all he wrote back was, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, I've got a small handful of films that I, I cannot wait to see. One's um, The Night Shooters, which we talked about before. Uh, another one is Mile 22, which is uh, the Mark Wahlberg, mm. Peter, Peter Berg film. And um, the other one is this, you know, um, yeah, Wild Horses cannot keep me away from these three films. So yeah, or uh, Mandy. I can't. I haven't got a clue when it's coming out, but anyway, it's, it's going to be massive, I believe. Our first review this week is Pool Party Massacre. What started out as a relaxing summer day by the pool for a group of high-maintenance young socialites quickly becomes a nightmare when an unknown killer begins stalking and murdering them one by one. Now, Dave, um, I noticed during the week that you you watched this, you know, because you put Mm. something on Facebook. I looked at that cover, and I've seen that cover before, and I'd I'd convinced myself that this actually was a... 80s slasher movie mm. that I'd that I'd sort of passed by back in the day, you know, because because I wasn't yeah. really into my slashers, and I'm you know the cover is it really does smack of that era, it really does, um, and you know I'd conv- I was convinced I think oh right okay we're doing two um, re-releases this week then I guess, and uh, mm-hmm. so I was really I was really surprised to find that this isn't a re-release of some slightly obscure. Uh, 80s yeah. sort of slasher movie and is in fact mm. a, a modern film um yeah. so so kudos to the guys who did the cover um mm. for for fooling me at least uh the film itself uh okay so this isn't a big budget film by any means it, it was 
uh, directed by a guy called Drew Marvick. He shot it in his own house, nice house that he's got, um, and, you know, a cast of unknowns. But I have to admit, this slowly did, um, you know, it, it did grow on me slowly as, as I sort of got to know some of the characters, bad actresses that they were. Um, especially the dumb one. Uh, was it Tiffany? I think the, the, the dumb one. Mm. So I was just quite, quite taken with her. She was quite funny. Um, uh, Clay, he's the guy. No, is it Clay? I think he's the sort of the older brother or something of the guy who turns up to screw one of the other girls. Yeah. At one point. Um, he sort of brings out the whole thing about Ferris Bueller and, and being in a, a figment of the imagination of Cameron, which is, you know, it's one of those internet things. Um, oh. and it, it was interesting to sort of hear it being ripped apart, actually. <laughs> it was quite funny. Um, so yeah, it, it, it grew on me slowly. Um, the death scenes were cheap and cheerful. The location wasn't too bad. You know, it could have done a bit better editing, I guess, to sort of tighten up some of the dialogue scenes. But overall, I kind of begrudgingly like this. Yeah, you see, I'm the opposite. I, I should have stopped at the poster. <laughs> um, because it was one of those I saw it advertised and I, and I thought okay this looks interesting it was released by Monster Pictures an Australian distribution mm. company who, who are really cool they pick up some great films really interesting uh, features you know really unusual stuff um, it's one of those where like, I, I head to the mm. supermarket every Monday morning like, like some kind of um, weird freak uh, and I thought well I'll get everything on my list you know yeah. I Tonya and, and Finding their feet in the shape of water, I get everything like that, but I won't mm. get Pool Party Massacre because no one will stock Pool Party Massacre. Like, look at the cover, it's an 18. The supermarkets mm. are notoriously sniffy about anything with even the hint of violence. I've got a great yeah. story about a film called The Hospital, which released about three years ago, but that's for another time. Um, but there it was, like, loud and proud on the shelf in Asda, like crazy, you know. So, anyway, I thought, yeah. Superb cover, you know, really iconic, really eye-catching. Mm. Just that whole skeleton face with the cocktail glass, and I thought, oh, that is just amazing artwork. Um, love it. And I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe it is me. I have thought this frequently this week because I seem to be the most hard to please person mm. on the planet. This week. maybe it's that guy with the video store just put me in a bad. I'm begrudging the middle week because I just I just couldn't I couldn't appreciate it in any way. I mean, I know, I know, you know, I sort of did a bit of research on Drew Marvick and I thought, well, I bet I bet if I get I bet if I get an interview uh, that he did, I bet the first thing he says is, "I'm a big fan of slasher movies." And lo and behold, first interview I find, "I'm a big fan of slasher movies," which is great. You know, I, I don't I don't you know. Um, the little such the, such an obsession because so 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 are we. Um, yeah. But it's just the whole fact, you know. Oh, I wrote the script in a week, and yeah, and it looks it. <laughs> um, it cost it cost six grand to make, uh, which is fine. You know, that's mm. cool, and I'm really pleased that he got it made, which is a great achievement, and, and certainly the the climate we live in, where where it's so hard to get anything made. But I just found the characters were were so flat and vacant mm. and. You know, they, they, they were just cookie-cutter characters with with no real uh, depth to them. I know, I know it's a, I know it's a slashing movie. I'm not expecting some kind of Shakespearean epic, but I want something. I want some substance. I want a root for someone, but I didn't root for anyone because I couldn't really give a toss. I, I was you know, just beckoning them all to be slayed in the most 
gratuitous fashion possible. You're absolutely right, because what is really missing is is the narrative for the final girl. Yeah. Yes, there, yes, yeah. there is a final girl, but there's no narrative attached. You know, it's just some girl who, who survives. You know, I mean, there's a tiny bit of an attempt right at the end where, you know, basically you've got one girl who was friends with another girl and then got dumped by her because she was poor and all that sort of stuff. But it's 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 very underdeveloped. It really is. And, and you know, there's a stab at an attempt to sort of bring it in at the end or, or towards the end, I should say. But it, it's it's too little too late. And as you say, you know, you can hardly root for it. I was rooting for Tiffany because she, she was just so dumb and just so lovable, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think... Two of the characters just disappear to go fuck in the bedrooms. So mm. you know you got you got no no chance of sort of getting to know them, no. you know, at any time. Um, as far as the gore was concerned, it was, it was you know he kind of went for it, but it wasn't really particularly well done. There's a bit where one of the girls gets killed with a claw hammer, and he sort of like mm. basically brings it up through her throat. Yeah. But but in order for that to work, the the sort of the end of the hammer had to grow by about three inches, <laughs> you know, because he wanted to show it sort of sticking out of her mouth, you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, he, he didn't really need to sort of do that. He just, just show all the blood and stuff. But no, it just made it look more hokey, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, the goal for me was all right. I mean, that, that was probably the least painful part of it. I just... I just have a tough time with with sort of homage stroke parody mm. movies. Uh, I mean, even at the best of times, really. Uh, it's not that I don't have a sense of humour. You know, I, I do somewhere. Mm. But just you know, think about it. You're going to take this thing that you love. This guy loves slasher movies. Mm. But then you're going to like really take the piss out of it and sort of make it all creaky and you know just mm. a bit crap. So. <laughs> I mean, perhaps not some other simplistic way of describing it, but I mean, some of these movies from you know the late eighties that were downright horrible. So I just, mm. just don't understand the reason for rewinding thirty years uh, yeah. to mock them some more. I mean, they're already you know in the doldrums of history. I don't, I don't really, I just don't see the point. Um, I mean, mm. you know. I, if you if you look at the reviews of this film, you'll see that I am in a rather startling minority. There is some yeah. amazing love for this film going did around. You see, did you see mm. that that Drew Marvick himself gave him gave himself ten out of ten? I did. That was very impressive. To be honest, I did like that. I mean, you know, most of these people are using using the pseudonym, but no, that that was that was fair play. Fair play. For yeah. that. <laughs> um, but how are you going to score this one, Dave? Um, I'm going to keep hold of it. Because, like I say, I think like someone switched something in my brain this week to be ultra critical. So I'm going to uh, go back to it. But for now, I will give it a four. I, I got a feeling this might grow on you if you give it a chance. Reckon- give, it, give, give it a bit of space. Give it a bit of space. Yeah. But come, as yeah. you say, come back to it. Maybe okay. with a few beers, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm giving this a five. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, it's 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 not terrible is <laughs> i'm damning it with faint praise um <laughs> you know but i, I kind of liked it i kind of like the the way it ends mm. I, was, I was kind of expecting without giving anything away um i was kind of expecting the the parents to sort of come back into it 
Mm. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah. that, that, might, that might have given it a bit of a, more of a twist. But anyway. Um, okay, so four from Dave, five from me for... See, I nearly called it Slumber Party Massacre. Pool Party <laughs> Massacre. Our second review this week is Extro. This is a re-release of an old 80s British horror movie. Uh, nobody but young Toby Phillips knows the truth behind his father's sudden disappearance over a year ago. His wife Rachel believes that Sam just left and has moved on with her life and is having a relationship with an American fashion photographer. Then Sam suddenly reappears, suffering from amnesia about what had happened and keen to rekindle the bond he had with Tony. Now, that is a very sort of schmaltzy way of saying this is a body horror film which totally rips off... Um, the thing and the um, alien to to a certain degree, but in a very sort of British TV way. If it, um, a lot of this reminds me of the work of um, the guy who did the Avengers series, mm. I can't remember, you know, or the Prisoner or something like that. You know, it look, it's yeah. like an eighties version of their stuff. Um, so this is one of those films I, I remember quite fondly from you know my teen years. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy gets uh, abducted, comes back as an alien, um, forces himself on a young woman, she impregnates her, then bursts out of her nether regions, and um, then goes in human form to find his original family. Um, yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy film, but it's one that has a lot of love. What's your remembrance of this film? Um I don't. <laughs> really? I, no, I, I only watched it maybe, watched it about three years ago for the first time, um, but loved it. Mm. And then I, I saw it one more time last year, uh, which was pretty soon after. But yeah, so so I've only been late to it. I've always heard, you know, I was aware of its reputation, but mm. uh, I never saw it as a kid. It was never one of those videos that I rented out from the video store. Oh, wow. um, but, um, you know, this edition is certainly a revelation. It's just incredible. Have you bought this new edition, Mike? I did. Yeah, um, I was. Yeah, re you know, really interesting seeing how this was presented. I mean, there's like four different versions of the film on the Blu-ray. Yeah, that's, the, re yeah. that's really interesting. If, if, if you pause at that for a second, hmm. you, you've got that. You know, three of them are all different cuts of the original, but then you've got this weird, weird 2018 version, which is just. Uh, an abortion of cinematic proportions. It's the mm. most horrific thing you will ever see in your life. And by, and by horrific, I mean, just, it shouldn't be there. It's <laughs> what, what, what this guy was thinking. I mean, I don't know if anyone is, is familiar with Harry Bromley Davenport, but he is quite a character. <laughs> um, mm. This kind of posh British guy, uh, with slightly long black hair. Um, he's a bit of a, I don't know. I don't know how I'd describe him. He looks like Harry, um, Dean Stanton. Yeah. Um, but then he, as I say, he's got this kind of very, very posh demeanor. But yeah, he, he's, he's decided to go back in, uh, uh, recut the film ever so slightly, and add modern day special effects uh, to the movie, mm. um, which don't work at all. They look absolutely shocking because they are modern day special effects. It looks like they were created with an Amstrad. Uh, and, and they just are, ah, they really do affect the way the film looks. Uh, it's just a shock. It also, he says on the special features that he was really uh, pissed off with the way the kid in the film put on weight as the shoot progressed. So yeah. he wanted to purposely go back into the film 
and, and through the power of CGI, slimmed down the kid as the film <laughs> progressed. So, I mean, this is nuts. So, yeah, so if, you, if you're buying a special edition, please watch all three of the cool mm. uh, cuts of the film, but do not watch the director's cut from 2018 because it's just, it will soil your mind. I watched the director's cut from 2018. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I dive straight in at that end thinking, okay, yeah, okay. Because he says at the beginning, all, all he says is that I, I, I sort of did some colour cor- correction and stuff like that. Mm. So I, I just took him at his word. I, so I, I didn't really sort of notice. And and to be honest, I, I kind of fell asleep in the middle of it and sort of woke up at the end again. <laughs> um, well, what I was surprised at, um, because basically you got, as, as it says, there's four versions. There's the original... I think it's the original theatrical version, the original British VHS version, mm, yeah, um, with two alternative endings. Basically, yeah. there's, there's one with sort of the you know the ending we all know, and then there's mm-hmm. the original ending. I I, I didn't realise that what I, what I knew and loved was mm. actually the the alternate ending, and what yeah. he originally planned was the um, what I can only describe as the sort of the BBC TV ending. Because mm, mm. <laughs> it does yeah, look like it looks, it looks like something from a BBC play from you know yeah. the eighties. A lot, as I said, you know, I was I was reminded of sort of Brian Clements in in the way some of this was pronounced um, produced. You know, um, the this the, the photography in it. Uh, you know, there's various scenes like at night which really remind me of like the professionals. Things like mm-hmm. that, you know, just the stock photography, the, uh, the stock, you know, the 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 quality of the um, the film stock, it kind of yeah. reminds me of that sort of era of of TV stuff. I mean, mm. you wouldn't see the sort of stuff that goes on in the film in a TV in on TV, no, no. you know, um, which, which sort of varies quite broadly. The thing most people remember is the um, the giant action man sequence, of course, mm-hmm. um, which which hasn't quite stood up to the test of time, but still looks pretty decent overall. I think I just wish they'd done a bit more with it. Um, if anything, because I saw I, I watched that bit again uh, this afternoon, and the sort of music cues for that sequence almost tries to make it play for laughs. You know, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's really sort of weird, jovial sort of tune, which is sort of totally out of touch with what you're actually watching. Yeah. Um, but I just, like I said before, I just love this edition mm-hmm. because it really does fill out your understanding of the film. I mean, yeah. the the, the, uh, the making of Alone is just, I think it's probably the best making of documentary I've seen. Mm. Uh, it's made by the two guys at Nucleus Films, uh, Mark Morris and Jake West, who of oh. course are, mo- are most famous for making the Video Nasties documentaries, which are, All right, you yeah. know, yeah. if you don't, if you don't own these, then you must, because they're, they're, they're just hours and hours and hours of insightful um, footage of the, of the Video Nasty scandal that erupted yeah. in the early 80s. Um, so yeah, Jake and Mark made the um, the making of documentary, and just the people they found for it are possibly the most entertaining people to listen to, because some of the stories are just absolutely hilarious. I mean, you know, as you probably gathered, I'm not a laugher by nature, but these had me laughing like a drain because some of the characters that that, that, that they they get together just tell the best anecdotes you'll ever hear. And as I say, the director himself, Harry Bromley Davenport, calls a spade a spade, and he really lets rip with uh, his opinions on certain aspects of the movie, uh, which is just fantastic. It, it is missing a commentary. A commentary would really round out the package. But the fact you've got the CD soundtrack in there, 
Yeah, well, and a, and a really nice booklet as well, actually. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so, and you've got other other uh, things floating about as well, as well as a, a cool tribute to um, to the lead actor Philip Sayer, who hmm. of course died in died in nineteen eighty nine, something at the, I think at the age of forty or something like that, which was you know, incredibly tragic. Uh, there's a great little tribute to him, including a song by Brian May, who uh, released a. A, a track and dedication to him on his uh, 1992 album Back to the Light. Uh, so it's fascinating. Just, just to, you know, um, I can be, I can be a bit wishy-washy with with these kinds of additions and the fact that mm. I'll spend a ridiculous amount of money buying them. Like I bought last time I was on the left the same day for oh. 25 quid, and I'd still sat there in shrink wrap. And sometimes I can just dip into these and watch one cut, and then I'll go. Be filed away in the collection, and that'll be it. Sure. But this, 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 I, I poured over for about three consecutive evenings, and yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of this. Hmm. If you're a horror fan, and um, you know you, you want to sort of something a little bit different, this is fucking different. Basically, um, it is so British. It is hmm. so of that time. You know, um, it, it couldn't just be an alien slash. You know, American Whale from London slash thing kind of mashup. You got to have weird clowns and midgets and things in there as well for some fucking reason. You know, it's it's approach to like what what a child is into yeah. is just crazy. It's just so bizarre. Um, plus, uh, this film also gives you the first appearance of Miriam Darbo, I believe. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. No, actually, no, it wasn't her first film. I, I remember now, um, talking to Mark Forstater. Uh, we had him on the Smoking Lamb podcast a while back. You can hunt back through those episodes. Um, no, apparently it was her second film, I believe. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was great to sort of see her in there as well. Uh, yeah, crazy uh, film, was, it really is. I must admit, one of the funniest things about the film, and, you know, like I said, I've seen this film three times. Mm. I saw it twice on DVD and then once on Blu-ray before I saw the special features. Mm. And I'd never picked up on this. But one of the craziest things, and probably the worst aspect of the film, is the fact that you've got these these two parents, obviously the father who gets abducted and the mother who's left at home, Mm. are the most, you know, um, rather trained, posh, (laughs) spoken actors you could ever imagine. But their son, their son has the broadest Cockney accent. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you could, you know, it's like he was abducted from the the streets of Clapham, <laughs> uh, with a with a tub of jelly deals in his hand. Um, and it's just, honestly, it's just uh, watching the film after I've heard that. I thought, how did I even miss that? It's, it's the most obvious thing. It just yeah. doesn't work at all. But uh, it's part of the film's charm. Absolutely. Um, I picked this up for. Fourteen ninety nine, I think, from yeah, from, yeah. from HMV. It is a very nice little set. As I said, you know, you got this. You got this CD soundtrack as well. That's four versions of the film. Loads and loads of extras, plus a nifty little book. Um, we highly recommend it, uh, Dave. What would you? It's not score the film. What would you give the whole package? Yeah, well, the, the film would be lower. I mean, you know, the film has its faults, but the package is just immense. It, it's going to be a nine out of ten. I heartily agree. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I bought this alongside Iron Monkey um, at the time. I heartily recommend that as well. Uh, and both got watched within sort of twenty four hours. 
definitely, definitely worth checking out. If you're a horror fan, if you know, if you, if you like sort of the old stuff, definitely check out Extro, the um, Blu-ray special edition. Our third film this week is Flight from Hell. When a small group of people board an airliner from a small Pacific island, little do they know that their flight may be their last. Not only has something deadly been smuggled aboard, but the plane is heading into an otherworldly storm. The passengers and crew must work together if they have any hope of surviving to fly another day. Now, first things first, Dave. Um, do you get the impression that the people who made this film, especially the most of the cast, or all the cast and most of the crew, do you get the impression they were lied to as to the size of the budget they were playing with. <laughs> Quite possible. Um, at the end of this film, uh, I, I watched this, I rented this from, from YouTube to watch, uh, to review. Um, at the end of the film, there's a small set of interviews with, with the cast and, and sort of a couple of the, I think the director as well. And apparently yeah. the film was shot for 3D. You know, it was meant to be uh-huh. a big, this was meant to be a big extravaganza 3D movie. Mm. Um, and you know, from the looks of it, they shot what they did, and then handed it over to the production company to go away and do their magic with the three D. Mm. And what they <laughs> what they came back with is laughable, to say the least. Mm. Um, before we go on any further, we should also make a note that um, this film was kind of remade as what was it called again? Hell in the Pacific, or? Flight, mm. flight, I, I, I try to exercise it from my brain, yeah. so I'm afraid I don't know. The one with the with the Brandon Roof. It was kind of it's it's basically the, it's the same director, that's for sure. Um, in fact, I'll just quickly look it up while we're talking. Lost in the Pacific with Brandon. Uh, yeah, um, we reviewed yeah. that a while ago. Yeah. Um, so this is you know this actually <laughs> looks better in some ways. Um, mm. You know, it, it gets it gets going a bit quicker than the other one did. That's for sure. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you know, it still carries over this thing of um, having an American actor in a sort of what is basically a Chinese production. This time we got Ed Westwick. I think his name is. Yeah. Um, someone I've never actually heard of. Gossip Girl. Okay, I never watched that. Um, You're missing so, out. Really? Okay. No. No, <laughs> you got me there. Um, Ed Westwick, I've never heard of him. He plays the captain of this airport, you know, the, the pilot. Basically, there's some sort of shenanigans going on with his his girlfriend, who's also a stewardess. And as soon as we hear mention from the co-pilot that she's been training as a pilot and is going to get a pilot wings in the next year, we know exactly what's going to end up happening, don't we? Um, the funniest thing that happens in this film is one of the guys smuggles aboard something um, which is small enough to fit in this little girl's rucksack and go unnoticed by the um, the airport security, uh, thanks to a bit of subterfuge and, and diversion, but suddenly grows big enough to start slashing people's faces and <laughs> arms and things. In, in you know, And I just laughed my head off when I saw that, thinking... You know, this tiny thing is is suddenly yeah. sort of like you've got the you know claws of a size of a human hand, um, and and is supposedly sneaking through 
the air vents, but cunningly putting them back without a scratch on them, mm. um, which, which is absolutely hilarious. And again, I think this is one of those things that they probably meant to have CGI'd later on, you know. <laughs> but there's this perfectly pristine, um, you know, sort of air hatch, which hasn't been touched, you know, the vent hasn't been touched at all. And everyone's looking at it really meaningfully as if something's crawled through it. Um, okay, Dave, I've got to hand it over to you. Um, how did you find Flight from Hell? Yeah, well, I'm going to start off, uh, as I normally do, by going off at a tangent. Um, do, uh, do you know when you, you sit down and write a review, um, mm. do, you, do you avoid people's opinions beforehand? Or once you've written it, do you then go and check out people's opinions to see if they've agreed with you? I yeah I I tend to do my own bit and then I sort of I, I read other people's reviews just to sort of see if there's anything I've missed you know maybe some other sort of point or some theme that I may have overlooked that I can sort of you know oh yeah and so add my sort of two pence worth um, yeah it's it's weird sometimes you know like uh, there's a film on Netflix funny enough called Mercy. Mm. Um, which I loved. I thought it was brilliant. And I wrote this great review for it. And then I went online to sort of see what other people were. Everyone else hated it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, everyone else absolutely ripped it to shreds. But I, I was like, did we watch the same film? I don't know. Um, yeah, the reviews for this, I, I, I must admit, I've kind of stayed away from. I, I did kind of look into it to see if I could find anything to do with the production or post-production. Mm. You know, like I was saying earlier, um, I just got the impression that they went and made this film and people were saying, yeah, yeah, this is going to be a big, you know, sort of yeah. 3D special effects extravaganza. You're going to, you know, people are going to love it. It's going to be in the cinema and everything because, you know, that's what one of the women are saying. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're going to love it in the cinema. Um, I, I just think the effects budget just disappeared. Yeah. No, it's just the only reason I asked about the reviews was, um, you know, I, I, I did a few notes for this and watched it, and you know, I agree with pretty much every word you say. I, I despised it. Um, but then I, I, I noticed, I remember when it, I came in through the post, I thought, this had some cover quotes on the box. I'm going to check out those reviews to see what those people thought. And, you know, mm-hmm. just because I'm always, I love cover quotes and I love to see if they've been, you know, uh, misappropriated to oh, see yeah, if, yeah. you know, yeah. um, this film was amazing. And then you know, look at the review, and it's like this film was amazingly bad, and it's kind of yeah. you know cut it to that. But anyway, so um, so I noticed that I remember just after I saw the film, I remember like a week ago, High Flyers uh, tweeted like some guy's review, and they said five out of five. Hmm. I'm thinking that was five out of five. Let me check this. So I'm checking this guy, I'm checking his website, and he gives it five out of five. A guy called Bren Hammond. I don't know if you're aware of him. Um, yeah, you should be. Um, so I'm checking this review out. And I'm like, five out of five? Okay, that's weird. So I went onto the IMDb page, and there's only one other review for this film. It's by a guy called Phil Wheat, who looks for Nerdly. Um, so I went up to Nerdly, and I read the review. And I'm like, that seems really familiar. So I toggled back and forth between the two reviews from this, like, Bryn Hammond and back to Phil Wheat. And I'm like, this is almost the identical review of the film. Yeah. <laughs> so I checked the dates, and like this guy, Brent Hammond, has virtually copied uh, the entire uh, nerdly review for this film by his site, and he got a cover quote out of it. Uh, it's just like I, I was absolutely staggered that someone could be so blatant uh, yeah. from a, from a, uh, a, a 
plagiarism perspective. So I emailed Phil Phil uh, straight away, and I said, "Look, this is this is crazy. This guy has completely ripped ripped you off." And yeah, I mean, a day later, he emailed me back and said, "Look, I've, I checked out the the homepage of this guy's um, um, site, and pretty much every review he's done has borrowed." From from somewhere, kind of quite blatantly. So I just couldn't believe. It's just outrageous. But if you go on this guy's site, honestly, go to brimhammond.co.uk hmm. and, and look at the spiel from this guy. He, he calls himself like a media personality. Um, he says that his reviews have, have, have given film companies, you know, millions of dollars more in revenue uh, and all this kind of thing. I'm like Jesus Christ, what a, an absolute fraud! Yeah. Um, so I tweeted about it this week, and unfortunately, unfortunately, didn't get as much uh, attention as I wanted it to but uh, but I have this guy on my site so I will I will bring him down <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hate things like that I really want to hear but back to the film yeah it just I mean when you're saying that when, when you're hailing Lost in the Pacific as some kind of work of art then <laughs> then obviously that, that kind of uh, says how bad Flight from Hell was it just uh, it was just it was amateur so f- yeah, it's it was. So I mean, flat, wasn't it? All the way. So many aspects to it, from from the score that was just overly dramatic. It just didn't mm-hmm. fit in any way. I mean, Ed Westbrook is a half decent actor, and here it just looks like looks like he's auditioning for the the lead role in Mannequin Three or something, mm-hmm. um, because he's just completely wax faced, no expression. He's coming out with um, really flat yeah. dialogue um, that just you know has all the emotion of a sock. It really is awful. Even after um, his, his end scene, you know, yeah. after what was supposed to have happened in his end oh, that, scene, he's exactly the same sort of delivery. That was outrageous. That final yeah. sequence, yeah. I thought, oh, that's just taking a mickey. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the ironic thing is, I mean, let me go back to Phil Wheat, who, who reviewed the film and didn't like it, that did did like the film, which is mm. which is fine. Um, but he compared it to things like Snakes on a Plane and, and Turbulence, which. Yeah. I have to disagree with, and he also compared. He's a big Asylum fan, um, like myself. But see, I I don't view this as an Asylum film. I know they're both pretty awful, but Asylum films have a rhythm. This didn't have a rhythm. This, I mean, you said it. It didn't take as long as long as Lost in the Pacific to get going. But to me, it just didn't pull me in. It was just. Um, oh, it's yeah, it's dreadful. Yeah, I mean, I did. did if there's one saving grace to the film. It is that weird sequence where the thing that was smuggled in is brought to life in quite extravagant fashion. Well, it's a cat, isn't it? Let's, let's, let's be honest, it, it's a cat. Um, that was quite a trippy sequence. Um, Sorry, so, yeah. I, must, I must have missed that sequence. Um, the cat? Yeah, I, I never saw it actually. Oh. oh. You, mean, you mean when it... Because he brought it in, it was in the girl's bag. Yeah. Yeah, and the next thing I know, it's attacking some stewardess. Yes. Yeah, but you never actually see it until oh, the end. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's right. I'm talking about the end sequence on the plane. Oh right, I, I thought, it, for it, some reason I just, I just thought I'd missed something then. Oh no, yeah. my apologies. No, I'm talking about the the, the one saving grace for me. I was saying is this sequence in the final third of the film oh. where the cat cat morphs into some kind of killer, you know, um, jujitsu creature. Uh, with some crazy moves <laughs> and starts slashing people to bits and has this weird transformation sequence that was trying to like rip off an American world from London or something um, where it becomes all ripped and uh, decides to start, you know, 
having some crazy flexy moves in. Well, oh, in, Jesus, uh, yeah. The, the funniest <laughs> bit of that, actually, because, you know, it, they they try to act, you know so the the characters who who are victims already because we never ever see the this this creature until right at the end yeah and you know the uh, the victims have been mauled so they've got sort of scratch marks on their legs on their torso on their faces and things and then there's this one sequence where it attacks the guy in in the yellow shirt and it, what they're trying to do is have him have this cat sort of like spin round his body really quickly with his claws you know sort yeah. of ripping through the flesh as he sort of spun round what they ended up with was what looks like a, a sort of a picture of a cat just glitching from place to place on his body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just so but again oh, it was one of those laughable moments. And the other bit as well, what there's the um there's the obnoxious American character who's in first class. Bit yes. of social com- bit of social commentary there, folks. Um um, who starts throwing his weight around and gets in a fight? But, see, that was another thing. There was a semi-decent fight sequence. Mm. This guy's beating up all the other characters um, to get his own way, and then he sort of like goes behind a curtain and dies. But um, it's just that one bit because all of a sudden this cat suddenly grows an alien xenomorph tail, which mm-hmm. slashes through the guy's stomach. You know, and mm. it's like as I, as I mentioned earlier, this was meant to be a three D movie. You know, yeah. so so obviously they thought we need something 3D in this. You know, there's there's a couple of little things like this. You know, sort of a, um, one of those little trolleys that gets pushed towards somebody's face and things like yeah, that. Yeah. But you know, very very little stuff. So they were desperate and thought, yes, alien tail coming through the guy's stomach. It's a fucking cat. <laughs> mm. There's no way, and that alien tail never makes another another appearance in the film. Um, mm. It is a joke. Um, there's a little bit right at the end which suggests that um you know we mentioned i, th- I think we mentioned that uh lost in the pacific was a remake i think it's a i think it is meant to be a follow-on from this yeah yeah um i, I get i get that impression from that final scene where you that's realize, right you know all, all the cat size and things but i guess it must have been some sort of a hit in some asian markets to to warrant a sequel yeah, I, I did see a box office thing uh, in, in, in its um, sort of uh, specs uh, section of IMDb where it, yeah. uh, well, I saw a box office somewhere. But yeah, I mean, they, they stated it made it, it, it was budgeted at $10 million, which can't be right. I mean, no one could have really spent $10 million on this thing. My wife walked in in the middle of this and said, what are you watching? So I explained it. And... And she goes, that plane's not moving. You know, the, the, the set. There was, there was, there was nothing about the set. There's no background noise. There's nothing going past the windows or anything to give you any idea that there was any motion going on outside that plane. Um, you know, it was just a big set, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, no, terrible. Um, yeah, really, really bad. I'll keep an eye out for this director. Um, what's his name again? Um, Vincent Zhu. Yeah. And who who um who's put this out? Is it, is it High Flyers or High Flyers? Yeah, and I mean, you know, thank you to High Flyers for giving us the opportunity to to uh, endure stuff like this. You know, it, it's it's unique, and I, it, it yeah. sounds like I'm being sarcastic. And I know it does sound like most of what I say is sarcastic, but I you know I am grateful for having the opportunity to watch this kind of thing. But yeah, it's uh, no this 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 on both. Occasions wasn't a pleasant experience. Mm, no, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd much, 
I would love no get get my words right here. I would much more rather sit down and watch an asylum film than this. You know, there is usually some decent sequences in an asylum film to actually sort of, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talking and a lot of nothing happening, but, you know, every now and again, they actually sort of come up with a money shot. Um, When we finally see what has been stalking this plane, you know, you just want to give it a saucer of milk and pat it on the head, basically. (laughs) It is just terrible. And some of the ideas they come up with are just terrible. Anyway, um, scores on the doors, Dave. Um, I'm going to go Lord and Poor Pie Massacre. I'm going to go for a three. Yeah. Um, I'm tempted to go even lower. Ooh. But, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to give it a two. Just you know, just for the goal of killing off the one likeable character, and that was the blonde student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really and and in such a horror, such a bland, throwaway way as well. You know, you don't even realise she's dead until they all get into a room and you go, "Wait, where's the blonde one gone?" Yeah, mm. <laughs> oh, was, was that what that screen off off camera was? Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, two. It's a two out of ten for me. Shame on you. <laughs> two two fingers out of ten. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is exactly. Our final review this week is Mohawk. In New York State in 1815, during the American War of Independence, Mohawk warrior Okwaho travels with her lovers, Calvin Two Rivers and Joshua Pinsmail, a British agent trying to gather support for the Native American tribes, particularly the Mohawks, who are trying to remain neutral in the war. However, Calvin makes a midnight raid on an American encampment, slaughtering soldiers in their sleep, making them fugitives and hunted by a vicious group of soldiers led by Captain Holt. Um, Now, this is the follow-up to We Are Still Here by director um, Ted Gagan. Um, I'm a big fan of his previous film. Got Got to interview the guy at the time. I've been really excited to see this. And in fact, I've now watched this twice. I love Mohawk. How about you, Dave? Well, I was tense about this. I was really tense because <laughs> I knew it's, it's it was... It's a follow-on film, isn't it? You know, It's not just that. I mean, I knew it was a... It, it, we, it, we were time conscious here because it you know, premiered on Netflix last night. Good point. Good point. Um, so I was working all day. So, you know, I had I got in. You know, completely shattered from a busy day of work, and I had this one opportunity to watch the film before the show, and I'm thinking, ah, tense. So, obviously, I tweet that I'm watching the film. Um, I don't tag Ted Gagan in the film. I don't tag Ted Gagan in tweet, but he likes my tweet anyway, which is mm-hmm. creepy. But you know, he must mm-hmm. have a like a must have like a, a, a filter for yeah. his uh, his surname or something. Oh. Anyway, so it's all it's all set up. It's all like lined up ready. Um, and I really, really struggled. Um, I really struggled. I just like, I think we're 20 minutes in. I'm thinking, I, I can't get into this. I, I can't, I just can't do it. It's just, I don't know what I was expecting. Um, you know, was I expecting We Are Still Here too? Was I expecting some kind of, um, you know, some kind of Native American slasher like Shadow of the Hawk? Hmm. Um I don't know. So yeah, because because obviously those first twenty minutes, it's, it's all woodland based. There's no sets. It's all out there in the country. Um, you know, I just I couldn't get out of my brain 
the term um, battle reenactment. You know, there's mm. weird people address yeah, it, but I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Because there was one guy in the film, I forget what character it was, but his costume just looked, it didn't, it didn't suit him. It just looked like it. he'd got home from the office and he'd said, you know, okay, honey, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going out with my friends and we're going to re reenact re re the, um, you know, the American, mm. the famous battle of 1812. Um, and that's what it seemed like. So 20 minutes in, 25 minutes, I'm thinking, I can't get this out of my head. Um, you know, the girl, the girl just isn't, isn't resonating with me. So anyway, I, I gave up. Uh, I switched it off and I thought, no, I'm not ready for this. But anyway, thankfully, um, I had a brief window of opportunity today and I started again. I thought, right, let's, let's take that stupid reenactment thing out of my brain and let's begin again with a fresh, um, with a fresh notepad, shall we say. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved it. It took time, but then I think it clicked about 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I thought, Okay, I get this now. I understand where the director and the writer are coming from. And it all just fell into place. Uh, and yes, it took time and perseverance, but I really, really liked it. And I think the thing that made it click for me was that sort of um, the vibe of oppression. Hmm. And even though it's 1812, it's just so... Um, relevant today isn't it oh, yeah. uh, especially in relation to america and you know when, when you when you read what um ted gagan was was saying when after he made the film you know he was pressured straight after we're still here to go on and make a film with the same theme um but he resisted that and he said you know given our current political climate i felt that this was the right story to be telling and he's completely right um you know, it, it's just a complete um, tale of, um, you know, it, 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 it's about how we can't seem to stop trying to destroy those we distrust, yeah. uh, which is a perfect, well, which perfectly encapsulates America at the moment, certainly with, with, with Mexicans and, and anyone um, outside the country that wants to try and get in. Um, uh, and it is, that, 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 that's what it's about. And I was trying to judge it from a whole different perspective, which wasn't what Gagan and his writer, Grady Hendrix, were aiming for. Hmm. And I was so pleased that I gave it another go because it makes you worry that some people might not see that um, and they may give up. Yeah. But um, I was pleased about that. What, what, what were the bits that you really, uh, that you really uh, appreciated? Um. It varies really. It just it's sort of the way the scenes were edited really well. Um, mm -hmm. There's various com confrontations, like when Joshua gets gets caught out um, down by yeah. the river, and the way sort of characters sort of drift in, you know, and he realizes he's he's pretty much screwed over. Um, there's little sort of dream sequences which, which sort of sort of elevate the film as well, mm -hmm. sort of give it sort of more is it mythic quality. I really like the sort of the lead actress. Um, She's amazing. I'm not even going to try and murder her name. Basically, <laughs> um, I remember reading shortly after the first time I watched this. I can't remember if it was on YouTube, in YouTube comments or on IMDb. But um, people were sort of going, "Oh, you know, why didn't he get a um, an actual sort of Native American to play the character?" Uh, he did get a Native American <laughs> to play a character. She is actually a Mohawk. Um, 
you know, just happens to be an actress as well. I, I thought she was really good in it. Um, and, and she's speaking the native language as well. Exactly, yeah. Which she, is incredible. Yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, one of my favourite films, funny enough, is Last of the Mohicans. And, mm. you know, and I, I, I love the idea, you know, the, the character of Joshua as well. So, you know, this guy sort of looks, he's basically... He's, he's, he's an altruistic guy, but at the heart of it, he's, he's trying to drum up support for the Brits, you know. Mm. And um, I tell you, actually, the other character I really liked was um, one who played Oak's mother. Oh yeah, because she was like just a real tough cookie, mm. you know. What I mean, she, I mean, she really was. You know, she wasn't going to take shit from this guy. And um, you know, the best actually, the best thing in the film was when she just punches him in the face, you know. Mm. For for allowing you know for for stirring things up so much, basically and sending down this path of no return, um, but yeah, and and I do get what you're saying because there's no actual sets, you know, mm. apart from towards the end when they sort of go into the the mission and things like that. Yeah, you know, this is all open countryside, and you know, it's it's filmed. It it does have a cinematic film um, feel to a certain degree. But at the same time, it is kind of like oh, we just we just pitched up in a forest and started shooting, you know. Um, it's a bit more cinematic than that, but even so, um, I really like the score as well. I thought that was that was very well mm. done. Uh, very Make, the makeup as well. The makeup was, was just yeah. The makeup was phenomenal, cool. wasn't? Yeah. yeah, I mean, both her and, and Calvin Two Rivers um, sort of des- you know facial design was great, um, and. You know, like in uh, I don't know what which effects company used this time, um, but the you know this is a pretty gory film. <laughs> you know, one of the first things you see yeah. is a guy getting shot in the elbow. You know, <laughs> which is pretty nasty. Um, and there's a bit right at the end when uh, I gets um, a hand mauled, um, yeah. and you know that looks really really horrific as well. No, I, yeah, just little bits, just just really really work. I love that. I love the ending. To be honest, I love that end without yeah. saying too much. The, the face off, you know, yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, it's just the way she was stirred. It reminded me a lot. I don't know if you've seen it. A film called *The Samurai*, a German film. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just the last <laughs> bit of that. I know the last frame of that is, is rather infamous for uh, mm. other reasons, uh, namely an erection, an erection, um, yeah. which this didn't have for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, but I just thought that. The way it was lit, the way it was shot, it just uh, seemed reminiscent of that. And mm. It just really did make the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Mm. Um, the way that they faced off, though, I thought it was really, you say, you said, you know, you mentioned the word cinematic before. I just mm. thought, wow, that would have been so cool to see on a big screen. And that was kind of the, the downside to watch it on Netflix because you thought, yeah. some, you know, the way that this is shot at times, you think, oh, that this is a perfect film for a cinema. Especially with an appreciative audience, and you just mm. think oh, that's, that's a bit of a bit of a shame, but hopefully it, it would have uh, gone into some festivals of some kind. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Uh, and yeah, this this was quite well received by um, sort of some of the critics in the states. I remember reading a review on uh, AV Club, and they mm. absolutely loved it as well. Um, yeah, and this is really good. I mean, you know, Ted Jeff got his name on Ted. <laughs> Um, his his previous film, We Are Still Here. If you haven't seen it, um, I mm-hmm. highly advise you to track it down. Yeah. Um, but this just heads in a complete, you know, other than the sort of the level of gore in the film, this mm. heads in a completely opposite direction. You know, so why, why did you why why did you choose to watch it twice? Did, did you just 
I just was a re- refresher. Like, or? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd seen it a couple of months ago. A couple of months ago, and then when you know that was sort of on my laptop. Um, yeah. But you know, it's, I get the chance to watch it on a sort of big big screen TV in in HD. Yeah, um, yeah proper sound and everything. So yeah, um, how did it hold up? It really did. Yeah, really, yeah. really does. So I'm really really chuffed with it. Um, yeah, it'd be nice to interview Ted again um, for this one at some point. But uh, yeah, no, the two for two as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Dave, how are you going to score this? Yeah, well, right now I'm going over a seven, but mm-hmm. with the caveat. So I, I really can't wait to watch this again, hopefully in a better environment where mm. I'm more aware of, um, well, now I've read about the director's intentions and why he he wrote it with, uh, with Brady Hendrickson. I'm really quite excited about revisiting it and, and sort of seeing it from a, a fuller perspective. Yeah. Because I don't think um, I educated myself enough about the reasons for making it beforehand, which I think would have been a, an advisable thing to do. But yeah, I'm pretty cool. Okay, seven from you and an eight from me. I really like Excellent. That. Yeah, nice. <laughs> It's time for the last part of the show, so it's down to me and Dave to get down with some washing up. And we're going to kick off with a doozy. Um, out this week is a film called 1945, From This Day. Now, Dave, looking at the cover, mm. what would you say that film is about? Well, it's a tough one, but I may be edging towards a war film. It might come across as a bit of a war film. Would you say sort of Battle of the Bulge kind of thing going on there, Normandy landings, that sort of thing? Well, we're 1945, so we're talking the real tail end of the war. So, yeah, mm. I'd say that. Yeah. Um, follow-up question. Before I actually explain what this film is, um, do you know anything about a film company or a distribution company called Three Wolves? I know a great deal about Three Wolves. Right. Can you enlighten me? Because at the moment, I can find no trace of them on the internet at all. Oh, really? They're absolute shysters. I mean, they're shysters beyond belief. What sort belief. of company doesn't even have a website? <laughs> you know, that's... They're, they're just crooks. They are crooks, um, you know, allegedly. Um, because, uh, you know, they, they've released films in the past with, with false cover quotes. They've released films with wrong synopses and stuff. And they've just put out movies that are, are just... Uh, just heinous, heinous things. Um, this is by ah, now this is by Rick Roberts, isn't it? They released they, they released his last because um, I, I I had a look for this film and I came across a film with this title, nineteen forty five, from this day. It's a it was made last year. It was a Hungarian black and white film set after the war or just after the war. And it's about two Jews who go to this town, and it's about the sort of the feeling of guilt that the township has over their part in what happened in the Holocaust. Mm. I don't know if it's the same film or not. Well, you but, see, you know. they, they released they released Rick Roberts' last film, right? Which was called See It Through. They released it, it was from two thousand six. Oh, is that is, is this the one which wasn't even a full feature? Well, I don't oh, think I think. this. I think this one isn't. I think this one's running time is an hour. Because we checked it out on BBFC, and I think the running time was an hour. Uh, for his last film, see it through, it was an hour and fifteen minutes, and it was it was the most amateurish war film you can ever imagine. I bought it for the sole reason of just you know trying to work out that it actually existed. Um, but yeah, this I think you'll find 
has a running time of about an hour. And I'm pretty sure it is from the director, Rick Roberts, the British guy, or the British. I mean, he's younger than both of us. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued about this. The, the, it's got two, two uh, entries on IMDb. The yeah. 2018 entry doesn't really have any details, but when you look at the entry for the same title from 2012, then the running time is just an hour. Um, mm. So, yeah, this is a weird one. It may be worth picking up just to work out what it is. But, yeah, yeah if, if, right. if, 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 anyone, if anyone out there sees anything with three walls on, then just avoid yeah. it because they're, they're, they're a real gang of – well, it's one guy. Um, so it's a real uh, strange operation. It sounds horrible. Um, I'm, I'm, oh Christ! It's that you're absolutely right. As soon as I clicked on his picture, I'm yeah, like, yeah, this fucker. He's, he's he, we <laughs> talked about him before. I'm oh, kind it's... of I'm almost disappointed. It's not the other one. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd love. Yeah. I would have loved it. Um, I think it's on IMDb just as 1945. But when I looked up on on YouTube looking for a trailer, yeah. um, it, it came up with the from this day bit attached to it. Um, you could really do with changing his IMDb picture, to be honest. Yeah. So, oh, he looks not... like such a tosser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so so that's that. Avoid at all costs. Um, Nineteen forty-five. Um, next one is a, um, a latest version of Beauty and the Beast. I don't know a lot about this, but I'm pretty sure it could have been renamed as Beauty and the Phantom of the Opera, um, going by the cover. Um, because they haven't really made a lot of effort into making this guy look like a beast. Um, they they have literally ripped off Phantom of the Opera um, with the, with the sort of semi mask, and that's it. This this screams um, European TV movie to me. Um, I don't know anything about it at all, but just going by that cover, it, it's like yeah, yeah. It's it's directed by a guy called uh, Fabrizio Costa. Um, who I'm presuming might be Italian. Um, but yeah, it, it is indeed a TV movie. Um, so yeah, don't know what to make of that. Indeed. Uh, Escape from Sorbibor is out this week. We'll be talking about that in this coming up soon. Uh, Ghost Source Zero. I'm still kind of interested in seeing this. This is a low, very low budget, um, sort of science fiction movie. Um, I, I got sort of small hopes for this. I, I'm going to be ordering it. I, I tried to order it this week off Amazon, and they said it was sold out, which probably just means they haven't got it in stock yet. Um, but I know you, you, you weren't too impressed with the trailer for this. Wasn't I? No. <laughs> the fact that you can't even remember it says it says a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. something, something which is more high-end is um, I Kill Giants. I'm kind of surprised to see this go straight to DVD, to be quite honest. I thought this was going to get a cinema release. Um, it's that sort of mixture of um, psychosis and fantasy where a young girl may or may not be really fighting giants or maybe just sort of dealing with some sort of psychological issues. Uh, some decent looking special effects and fantasy elements into it. This could go either way, I think. Yeah, it just does look pretty cool to be honest. So, uh, mm. yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Inferno Skyscraper Escape. Uh, I believe this is a German movie with Jamie Bamber in it. Um, and I got a feeling I watched some of this at some point and then turned it off in disgust. Uh, Jamie Bamber is the architect of this uh, new building. 
um, and his ex-wife gets captured in it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it's got the budget of a gnat, basically. I don't yeah, know. it's... Um, yeah, France-Belgium co-production that was shot in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting enough, the writer is a guy called Philip J. Roth, who is oh, notor- yeah. notorious for the amount of uh, straight-to-video films that he's done since about 1988. Yeah. Uh, stuff like The Trap and... Um, Python and Falcon Down and Epoch and Shark Hunter and Mindstorm and all crazy stuff. He's made about 100 films. Um, but yeah, this is his kind of thing originally called Crystal Inferno. Right. I think that's how I originally sort of looked at it. Um, moving on to It Came From The Desert. I've got reasonably high hopes for this one. It's a pastiche of... Um, sort of 50s and 60s sort of creature feature kind of things like them I guess is the main one they're sort of trying to riff on um, some teens sort of sort of bike trekking in the desert end up um, coming up against some giant ants um, yeah this this I think this could go either way could be either really yeah. good or, or just really miss the mark well like I said before I'm not a fan of pastiche and stroke parody mm-hmm. movies but this has got Trent Hager uh, having a co-writer credit, I love Trent Hager. He is the star right. of Killjoy 1, 2, 3. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, three, three, four, and 5. And he also wrote an amazing, amazing film called something. Uh, I forgot which mm-hmm. film it was, but it was amazing. Uh, and it's that good, I've forgotten it. Um, but yeah, Trent Hager, brilliant writer. Um, you'll know this film. What was it called? Um, well, he wrote 68 Kill, which didn't we review together? Oh, yeah. I, I think we did on, I can't yeah, yeah, and he wrote Cheap Thrills as well, which was oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, you know, let, let's hope this one is all right. Got a great mm. artwork on the cover, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Jackals. Now, I've got high hopes for this one. Um, just looking at the trailer, it seems to have some really nice aesthetics going for it, you know, sort of the design of it and everything. I, I just really like the look of it. It sort of riffs on a few films. Um, you know, but, but I I like the look of it. I do. No, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. So <laughs> the other day, um, originally meant to be a Toby Hooper film, right. but uh, the the directing on it eventually fell to Kevin Grotter, who who wrote some of the latter Saw sequels, or Saw Six and Saw Seven. Um, right. Just didn't didn't work for me. Great cast, great people in it. Um, it just was a little bit dull. But yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to watch this and I'll uh, let you know what I think. On the next yeah, episode. yeah. Please do, please. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Stephanie is the next one. Um, this stars Frank Grillo, which sort of really piqued my attention. Um, trailer for this, I, I, I had a quick look. I found two trailers. One was the American one, and it's not really a trailer. It's just a very short scene, but it's mm. a very, very intriguing scene where Frank Grillo is is building a, a fence around, sort of, you know, around the garden, and his little daughter comes up and says, "Oh, oh is that to keep the monster out?" Mm. And he's got, he goes, yeah. He goes, well, I hope it's strong enough, sort of thing. And that's basically the end of the scene, you know. So, right. I at the, so then I looked at the Russian trailer, which was hilarious, because it's got the, all the histrionics of, um, you know, people going, Stephanie, Stephanie, oh my God, you know, all this sort mm. of stuff. Mm. And then it's overdubbed with the, with the Russian voice just going, Stephanie, Stephanie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, from the, from what I can gather, this is about a young girl who harbors some sort of psychic ability to bring forth some sort of creature or some monster or something. 
um, and is sort of struggling to control it. Uh, the cast, yeah, it looks really interesting, and, and you know what, what I, the small bit I saw, had me really intrigued. So uh, this is definitely on my radar. Well, you see, it was directed by a guy called Akiva Golden, who that, is that one of really it, familiar. He is Hollywood royalty. Yeah. He wrote The Client, uh, A Time to Kill, A Beautiful Mind, The Da Vinci Code. I mean, he's done some amazing stuff. Um, mm. I think he wrote, didn't he write a best-selling book about the screen trade or something? That might be right. someone else. But anyway, um, yeah, this could be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film of the week um, that we haven't reviewed uh, for me is The Endless. Uh, this is directed by the guys who did Spring a few years back. Mm. Um, in this one, we have two brothers who, when they were younger, escaped from a, um, a so-called sinister death cult, um, and sort of, you know, came sort of semi-famous for a while, and sort of grew up, uh, and uh, you know, find themselves sort of in this sort of very mundane, shitty lifestyle, and suddenly they get sent a videotape from the cult, sort of trying to ask, you know, well, inviting them back basically to have another look. And they think, well, how much worse can it be than our current shitty lives? So they, they go across country and, and, you know, visit the cult and it all starts off quite nice. But eventually sort of little weird things start happening. And, and um, yeah, it's it's really enigmatic, really well shot. Um, it's got some really intriguing moments. And it's one of these films that doesn't try to explain anything. It just presents it and then, you know, you, you draw your own conclusions to a certain degree. But definitely, definitely worth seeing. It's it's up there with the likes of the Signal and Midnight Special, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I always save something special for my Monday night movie. Mm. Yeah, a new release Monday, and this is going to be tomorrow's. So I can't wait for this. Mm, it's really good. Uh, one that we are looking forward to seeing is because it's Nicolas Cage. Is the Humanity <laughs> Bureau? Um, yeah. So th- this is a, just such a weird premise. Um, yeah. It's it's just just bizarre. Okay, mm. is all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, it, it could be really really interesting. It's, isn't it something along the lines of, you know, depending on what you've given back to society will depend on whether or not he shoots you or something. It's, it's something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. But uh, I must admit, I mean, I got quite emotional there. Like, mm. you know, just shed a little tear because just how happy it makes me to hear those words. Here's one we're really looking forward to. Because it's Nicholas Cage, I mean, it's just a—it's uh, music to my ears. It really is. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Institute. Now, I must admit, I haven't checked out the trailer for this, but just looking at the—you know—the top list of um, talent involved, we've got James Franco, Tim Blake Nelson, Laurie Singer in this. Um, but I got a feeling this isn't actually a horror film. It's more of a sort of gothic drama. Yeah, I did. I didn't like this at all. Didn't like this at all. It's directed by James Franco as well, and right. I bought it and watched it this week. And it's 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 brain crushingly slow. It's a real mm. slog, and it's it's almost unintentionally comic at times as well, which uh, right. is never a good thing. But is it is it actually a horror film, or was it as, as I said? No, you, you're right. Yeah, you are right. You're, it is in that gothic, gothic sort of melodrama. Kind of thing with, with sl- slightly spiritual, supernatural elements, but but they're, they're pretty much reserved. But but we're talking about something very similar and far far better in about mm. three minutes' time. <laughs> uh, okay, the Legend of Ben Hall. I 
don't think it's the one you're talking about. Uh, it's another Western. Uh, it's got some interesting quotes on the cover. In the style of Dances with Wolves is one. <laughs> then Epic, a triumph, which is the sort of quote you'd expect to see attached to a musical, not, mm-hmm. not, a, not a Western. And then um, a must-see. I can't, unfortunately, I can't see the um, who these uh, quotes are attributed to. Mm. Um, probably no one I know. Or no website, I know. It's another Western, though, and again, it's that sort, same sort of, it's that same sort of cover as we saw with the um, the Lance Henriksen one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that sort of, you know, it's, it's like this rotoscope drawing kind of thing with these sort of washed out colours. You know, it's uh, it's all dark and dreary, mm. which isn't which isn't how I remember westerns. No, you're right. You know, yeah. Westerns are set in Nevada and Utah and, and Texas, That's you know, right. un, 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 under great blue skies and arid deserts and things. But you know. Yeah, but in some respects, it's the birth of the sweaty Western, really, isn't it? You know, exactly. That's what it is. Dirty ever ever and, since, yeah. ever since, I mean, you know, uh, the, the greatest sweaty Western last uh, 15 years, probably the proposition, uh, yeah. the Australian film, which, of course, this film hails from Australia. Uh, and they do make some very good. Westerns, so um, you know, cover quotes aside, I am quite looking forward to this. Okay, okay. Last on our list is the Lodgers, um, directed by Brian O'Malley. Um, I, I over to you, Dave, because I, I know nothing about this one. It's just really cool. It's just an Irish Gothic horror. It's a real slow burn, so don't expect anything, you know, um, intense or, or anything to sort of jump off the screen in the first. Uh, couple of reels of the film, but it, it, it's certainly worth a look. It's, you know, forget the rather generic cover art. It's actually just a really, really well-made gothic horror that could have been made, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Hmm. Now, I mentioned Brian O'Malley. He, of course, directed the excellent Let Us Pray, hmm. um, which which I really liked. It's got a um, really interesting cast in that. It's Liam Cunningham and... Um, yeah. is, is, is it Polly... Polly Macintosh, Mac- yeah, 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 yeah. Polly um, yeah, really good sort of Scottish set of, um, horror movie that one. So, yeah, this is definitely suddenly on my list. Uh, the Lodges, I will definitely check this out this week. So, what was the other one I said I was going to check out that you didn't like? Oh, um, Jackals. Oh, yeah, Jackals. Jackals. No, but but please check check that out because, mm. like I say, I've been in one of those weird moods all week, so I'm thinking. That fell into that weird sort of, you know, sugar off and, and that sort mm. of thing. So I'm hoping for people to come back at me this week and say, no, 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 you were wrong on Jackal's, you know, go revisit it. And mm. it's not that bad at all. It's a great, great concept, great idea. You know, again, a, a cult uh, orientated movie, mm. um, which, which is, you know, not that original at the moment, but it, it's, the setup is great. It's just the execution seem to fail but please watch it and please tell me that I'm yeah. completely wrong I'd like, I'd like to revisit it nope. they're coming for you Dave they are <laughs> they've seen our running time this week yeah it's a bit of a long one uh, <laughs> and yes that is the end of the show um, please drop us a line on the website we are on Podbean we're on hopefully we're on iTunes I believe we are uh, I will double check um, but yeah, uh, our next episode is going to be a special one. We're going to be looking at um, some short films. We've already got some cracking ones lined up. Um, so that's going to be our next episode in two weeks' time. Please uh, join us again. So thanks very much, Dave, for um, all your hard work. And, Thank uh, you. And uh, yes, yeah, so tune in next time. 
listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.